Isn't Jesus wonderful? Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you that as we approach your word today that you'll speak to all of our hearts and we'll be better for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Let's uh, go to James, the first chapter. If you would, James, the first chapter. You know, uh, sometimes I talk too much. Can anybody relate to that? How many of you, some of you talk too much? One time a fellow said to me that all I do is open my mouth and change feet. You have your foot in your mouth? You ever put your foot in your mouth? He said, I talk so much, all I ever do is open my mouth and change feet. So today, I want to talk to you about talking too much. and going to title this, Biting Your Tongue. You know what it means to bite your tongue? You know, you should keep silent. And uh, in James, the first chapter, the 19th verse, in the, uh, I'm going to use the New International Version today for almost all the scriptures except for one. But here in James 1.19, it says, My dear brothers, and this would go for sisters too, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Notice that, quick to listen. And what? Slow to speak and slow to become angry. But notice he says, quick to listen and slow to speak. I've noticed that so many people, including myself over the years, and and the Lord's really been working on me over the many years, that, you know, I'm a lot of times quick to speak and slow to listen. But we need to be, you know, quick to listen and what? Slow to speak. One person said that we have one mouth and two ears, so we ought to do twice as much listening as we do talking. That's pretty good, isn't it? And so talking about biting your tongue and uh, being slow to speak, biting your tongue or holding your tongue, however you want to say it. But, uh, you know, what's that song that, how many days of Christmas on the first, how many of them? 12 days of Christmas. So today I want to share 12 situations where I'm learning it's better to bite my tongue and refrain from talking. 12 situations that I think all of us at one time or another will find ourselves in that it would be better and best to bite your tongue and, and not, you know, not say anything or be quiet. And the first, the first one is, and there's 12 of these, and we'll go through them rather quickly, but but I think we'll, 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 we all find ourselves in these, in these situations. So first of all is when you have no idea what to say. That's a good time to bite your tongue, isn't it? When you have no idea what to say. Notice Proverbs 17:28. Proverbs 17:28, And this is, I mean, this is a really, all scriptures are good, but this is really good here. Notice Proverbs 17:28, New International Version says this, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. And discerning, a fool is thought to be discerning if he holds his what? Holds his tongue. So on any subject that you find yourself dealing with and you don't know what the answer is, What's the best thing to do? 
keep silent. And if you'll do that, even if you don't know what you're talking about, if you keep silent, people will think you're wise. Even if you're foolish on a subject and don't know anything about it, if you keep silent, people will think you're wise. And uh, I've learned this in my life, that there's nothing wrong with saying you don't know. I, I just don't know. I, as a pastor, I get asked all kinds of questions, you know, and uh, questions about the Bible, questions about life, this, that, and the other. And, you know, a lot of times we can answer people and give them, give them a good answer. But when I was younger, I would try, I thought I had to answer everything, give an answer to everything. Even if I didn't know what the answer was, I'd try to give an answer anyway. And I learned that, that you know, you wind up just confusing people and making matters worse a lot of times. So there's nothing wrong with just saying, you know what, I don't know, I don't, I don't, ha- I don't know, or just don't say anything, you know. And even if you're a fool, what does the Bible say? If you keep silent, you'll be thought to be wise. So first of all, when you don't know what to say, that's a good time to bite your tongue. Here's another one, when you're wrongly accused. When you're wrongly accused. Has ever anybody in here ever been wrongly accused of something? Besides me, notice 1 Peter 2.23, 1 Peter 2.23, notice what the Bible says here, again, the NIV, New International Version, 1 Peter 2.23, talking about Jesus here, when they hurled their insults at him, when they hurled their insults at him, have you ever had people throw insults at you and things that you know were not true and When they hurled their insults at him, notice he, Jesus, did not retaliate. He didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he what? He made no threats. He bit his tongue, so to speak. He held his peace. And notice what he did. Instead of of returning verbal threats or returning accusation, what did Jesus do? He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to his heavenly father that his heavenly father would work all things out. And we should learn a lesson from our Lord and our master Jesus that when they falsely accused him, he made no threats. He didn't return verbal, you know, he didn't didn't return verbal, verbal slurs. He didn't get into verbal combat. He just was silent and he entrusted the heavenly father to work everything out. Again, has anyone in here ever been falsely accused of anything besides me? I know some years ago, my wife and I were sued. It was a frivolous, frivolous lawsuit and just people that were looking to make a quick, easy dollar. Did you know that there's people out there that that are like that? And I remember... uh, and did you know there's a lot of good attorneys, a lot of good lawyers, but did you know there's some sleazy ones out there too? And they'll work for people and they'll, they'll say, I'll take your case. And, you know, if we win any money, then, you know, that lawyer gets a third of it or half of it or whatever the case. And so there was a frivolous lawsuit and these people were looking for a quick dollar and they sued my wife and I. And I remember when that uh, initial letter came in the mail and, and I read it, and, and I mean, they just accused us, falsely accused us of everything you can imagine, things you couldn't imagine. It almost went back to the Garden of Eden and accusing us of original sin. You know what I mean? But they do that to try to scare you. <gasps> 
And you know, everything they accused, they accused my wife of lying. And that's when, I mean, they accused me of lying, but man, when they accused my wife of lying, man, I was ready to fight. I mean, I was ready to just do whatever I had to do verbally, physically, whatever else. How many, how many of you can relate to that? It was all lies and, and, and uh, we had every kind of record you can imagine to prove that, that, that we were honest and right and that they were lying. And, uh, but you know what? We held our peace. We, I, I bit my tongue. Realize, realize, say, bite my tongue. Yeah, I bit my tongue. Didn't say a word. Just turned it over to our legal people. They, they took care of it. And I bit my tongue. I mean, if somebody accuses your spouse of lying, I mean, that'll, wouldn't that stir you up? But uh, then uh, we let our legal people handle it. We bit our tongue. And, uh, and then when our legal people saw all the evidence that we had proving them, the other side, wrong, totally wrong, and when, when their sleazy attorneys uh, saw all the evidence that we had, that was backed up with phone records, every kind of thing you could imagine, all of a sudden, guess what? They went away. They dropped the case. In fact, it got to the point where, you know, when deposition time came, we, we told them, you know, through our attorney, we said, hey, take us to court. Let's go. Let's, we'll meet in court. And, when, and, and they just kept, the people that were accusing us, they kept delaying it, delaying it, delaying it, delaying it. And finally, we, uh, as I recall, we just, the judge actually made them, okay, you're going to have to come and give your deposition. And you know what? They just, they dropped the case and went away. But if I had jumped in there and made some phone calls and did this, that, and the other, you know, it would have made things horrible. We have the right to remain silent. And that's what the Bible tells us to do. And so I bit my tongue. We didn't say anything. We just let our legal people handle it and it went away. So when you're wrongly accused and if you live any length of time, you do anything for the Lord at all, you're gonna be at some point wrongly accused of something. And uh, and what it, what it, what it did Mount Hill of Beans, what it was, but uh, but we bit our tongue. That's a good thing to do. Just bite your tongue. Amen? Now here's another time when you need to bite your tongue is when you don't understand why the Lord doesn't do something about your seemingly hopeless situation. Have you ever been in a situation you didn't understand why you were in it? You didn't understand why the Lord isn't doing something? Has anybody ever said, Lord, why don't you do something? Lord, do something. Lord, do something. Lord, do something. And the situation looks hopeless and you've been waiting for the Lord for a long time to do something and, 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 the, and, and the days come and the days go and the days come and the days go and you just don't understand why the Lord doesn't do something about a seemingly hopeless situation. Well, let's go to Lamentations chapter three. Lamentations, it's of course in the Old Testament, chapter three, verse 26. And I'll give you a moment to find it. It'll be on the screen. If, uh, if, you, if you can't find it, I know some, we don't turn there very often, but Lamentations chapter three, verse 26 says, it is good, it is good to wait how? Quietly, Quietly for the salvation of the Lord. See, you're in a situation, the Lord hasn't responded or done anything. 
You're wondering why isn't he going to do something? Now, if you're like me, you'll start, you know, going on and Lord, why don't you do something and start crabbing and grumbling, complaining, going on and on and on. But the Bible says it's good to wait how? Wait quietly for the, for what? For the salvation of the Lord. Now that's a lot easier said than done, but that's what the Bible tells us we need to do. Wait quietly. Real loud say wait quietly. Yeah. It's hard enough to wait, but then it's doubly hard to wait quietly. But then notice verse 28, let him sit alone in silence. I wonder why it says sit alone. Because when you're sitting alone, there's nobody to talk to. And, 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 you know, crab about your situation to him or whatnot. Is that right? Sometimes you just need to get alone, sit in silence. For the Lord has laid it on him. Notice verse 20, 29, let him bury his face in the dust. It's just saying, you know, just be quiet. Wait on the Lord. Because why? Because why? There may yet be hope. I want to encourage you, no matter what kind of a situation you find yourself in today, don't grumble, complain about it. Don't, you know, start talking about, well, why doesn't the Lord do this? Why doesn't the Lord do that? Why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he do that? I've learned this much about the Lord over the years. Sometimes... Uh, he'll hold off on doing something because if he interacted or intervened when you want him to or when you think he should, it would be the worst thing for you. You just need to wait quietly. Did you know sometimes your words can hinder the Lord from moving in a situation? Did you know, did you know that? Sometimes your words can hinder him from moving in a situation. And so uh, when, when you find yourself needing the help of the Lord and, and, you know, you're in, in a, in in a situation, you know, uh, if we need help, there's nothing wrong with asking the Lord for help. But if you're in a situation, you've been in it for a while and, and it's an unpleasant thing. And you're wondering why the Lord just, why doesn't he do something about it? You know, if you've already talked to him about it, just, just, just continue to stand in faith, believing him and just wait quietly because there may yet be hope. How many of you glad to hear that? There may yet be hope. I've seen so many situations where, there were, there were, you know, per, a person, it didn't look like there was any hope for him. And even as I looked at it, it didn't look like there was any hope for him. But you know, God sees things we don't see and knows things we don't know. And if we'll just wait on him and just hold our peace, bite our tongue, be quiet, let him work. I've seen situations that looked hopeless. I've, I've seen them turn around and, and, and turn out where there was hope and, and, and the Lord showed up and delivered. Isn't that wonderful? So, so that's another time to hold your tongue. Now, here's, here's one. Here's another one. Number four, if you're taking notes. How many of these are we going to have? Twelve of them. Number four is when you wouldn't want someone else to find out what you said about them. <laughs> have you ever said something about somebody that you wouldn't want them to find out you said about them? Anybody ever done that besides me? Look at Luke 12, verse 3. Look at Luke 12, verse 3. Notice what Jesus said. The Lord himself knows what he said. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. Wow. Is that the Lord talking there? So we better be real watchful what we say about people 
because uh, what we've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. What we've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I know there's been times over the years where I, you know, where I've said things, you know, about somebody that I shouldn't have said, and invariably it gets back to them, and it just I just feel so badly because I really didn't want to hurt them, but you know what I mean. Have you? Am I the only one that's messed up on this one? And so it'd just be better not to say anything about the person in the first place. Is that right? And then, and then I've also had it work the other way where people have said things about me, you know, in private. And they thought that there was no chance in the world that that thing would ever get back to me. And uh, lo and behold, you know, I don't go out looking for what people are saying about me, you know. But, you know, you've, you, you understand things will get back to you somehow or another. It's just this scripture working. You know, and things folks have said about me, you know, here and there over the over the years, you know, and then they invariably get back to me. I don't pay any attention to it though. But uh, I know one time there was uh, you got when emails. I guess do people still email? I guess there's I still email, but I think texting is the big thing now. But uh, I know there was an email that somebody sent said something about me and then somebody forwarded it to somebody else and, and you know there was a bunch of forwards or I don't know what it was but but whoever it was the last person they 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 wrote an email to me or something and they they didn't know all this other stuff was attached and they forwarded it to me and I and I got what everybody was saying you know and I just sat there and just kind of laughed you know and uh, because what they said in private it came to the light I didn't pay attention about it. I just, I don't pay attention to it. I tell you what, if you're going to live in this world and not be offended at every turn, you're going to have to have some thick skin, aren't you? Is that right? Is that right? You're going to have to let a lot of that stuff roll off you like water off a duck's back. Is that right? Or you're going to be continually offended and... uh, just life, you know, even at 120 years, which is what God promises us in the book of Genesis, even at 120 years, life is too short to be offended all the time. Is that right? So, but just, here's another good time to bite your tongue when, when, when you are tempted to say something about somebody that you wouldn't want them to, you wouldn't want, want them to know you said, just, just don't say it at all. Bite your tongue. Realize, say, bite my tongue. Yeah, bite your tongue, okay? By the time we get done, your tongue's going to be gnawed off here. (laughs) Okay, here's the fifth thing. Another time to bite your tongue when you really don't mean what you are saying. When you really don't mean what you are saying. Ecclesiastes 5.5. Ecclesiastes 5.5. Chapter 5, verse 5. Again, in the NIV. When you don't really mean what you're saying... The Bible says it is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. It's better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Probably the, the, the main example of this would be, you know, have you ever told somebody, you know, we'll do lunch sometime? Huh? We'll do lunch sometime or we'll... We'll, we'll do something sometime or we'll get together sometime. And, you know, you really don't mean it, but you don't want to be rude to the person. So, well, we'll do lunch sometime. Huh? And then uh, I know there was a fella 
one time that, that attended here many years years ago. He came, he was just here for oh, I don't know, several months. A nice enough fellow, but he uh, he always wanted to talk to me about Jewish customs and and and, and I, I love I love I love the Jews. Amen. I love I, I mean they're the chosen people of God. We're spiritual Jews, the Bible says, as Christians and all of that, you know. But he essentially wanted me to turn this this church into a synagogue. Well, you know, it's a church, not a synagogue. You understand that? And so he, he would get me at the door and finally he said, well, he said, will you do lunch with me sometime? And I didn't want to be rude to him, but I said, okay, we'll do lunch sometime. <laughs> Never thinking he'd call me on the phone and hold me to it, you know. And so we went to lunch. I, I did, you know, I didn't want to go listen, you know. How many of you know this is a church, not a synagogue, is that right? And uh, there's three types of people on the planet. There's the lost, there's the, the Christian, and the Jew. Is that right? And one thing I've noticed over the years, a lot of times, if you're not watchful, uh, uh, Christians will want to get back into the old covenant. Well, we're not in the old covenant. We're in the new covenant. Is that right? So we should show respect to the old covenant and the Jews, but you get over here into the new covenant, that's where we need to live. And so I sat with him at lunch and it was just, you know, an hour and a half. And, and he did all the talking and I did all the listening. That's something else you need to watch with yourself is when you have a relationship with relationship with somebody, you shouldn't be doing all the talking and they shouldn't be doing all the listening. Is that right? If that's the case, the relationship is lopsided. Is that right? You see a lot of time in married couples, you know, uh, a lot of times the wife does all the talking and the husband does all the listening. Or, or, what's the, or the husband does all the talking, the wife does all listening. So there should be a balance, is that right? Do you ever notice that in prayer? A lot of times, you know, people go into prayer and they'll, they'll get with the Lord and they'll talk for an hour and a half and then they'll get done praying an hour and a half and they'll walk out of the prayer room and say, you know what, the Lord never did speak anything to me. Well, duh, you were doing all the talking. <laughs> prayer is a two-way communication, Right? Maybe the Lord hasn't been saying anything to you because you've been doing all the talking and he can't get a word in edgewise. And he speaks to you through, through his written word. You understand that. But sometimes he'll speak to our hearts and to, to pick up on that still small voice, we've got to be quiet some. Is that right? Is that right? So if you don't mean what you're saying, just don't say it. Because it's better, what does the Bible say? It's better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it okay here's another one number six another time to bite your tongue when you have a lot to do and you and you don't like it when you have a lot to do how many's ever been busy really busy besides me busy 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 and then when you get busy then all you you do is complain about being so busy look at philippians 2 verse 14 philippians 2 verse 14 says this Philippians 2 verse 14 says, do everything. Now, did the Bible say everything or just some things? It says, do everything without what? Complaining or arguing. So when you find yourself busy and there's more to do than you have time to do, you know, like me, sometimes, well, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this and I got to do that. I got so much to do. 
Well, the way you have to look at it, just be thankful you're healthy and you can do that stuff. That's better than laying in bed sick and you can't do it. Is that right? And here's something else I've learned too. Be glad that you've got something to do. You you understand? It's better to be busy than to be bored. Really it is. I can take it from me. It's better to be busy than bored. But then again, when you get busy, it's so easy to complain and grumble about having so much to do. So let's do how many things? Everything. Realize, say everything. Everything. Do everything without complaining or grumbling or arguing. Is that good advice? Now here's another one, number seven. Another time to bite your tongue is when the timing is wrong. When the timing is wrong. Look at Proverbs 25.11. Now this one's going to be in the Message Bible. Proverbs 25.11. Proverbs 25.11 says this. The Message Bible. The right word at the right time is like a custom made piece of jewelry. The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. Notice the right word. We should always be speaking the right word, but it's not just a matter of the right word. It's speaking it when? At the right time. The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. Now, a custom-made piece of jewelry, that's a pretty fine thing, isn't it? And what's that like? The right word at the right time. But the right word at the wrong time, well, if the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry, then the right word at the wrong time would be like uh, getting a piece of jewelry out of the Cracker Jack box. Is that right? Do they still put prizes in Cracker Jack? I, they probably do. And, and those, those uh, jewelry you get out of there, you know, those are pretty cheap-looking things. And so... The right word at the wrong time is a bad thing. Now, how can the right word ever be a bad thing if you speak it at the what? At the wrong time. Correct? Um, I don't know. I guess a good example would be, um, you know, if, if, if your child wasn't keeping their room straight. And what would be the right word there? The right word would be for them to keep their room straight. Is that correct? But you could speak that right word at a wrong time to them, maybe when they're down or they're, they're uh, uh, discouraged about something else and then you get on them about their room. Even though it's the right word, it could be at the wrong time and really discourage them beyond measure. Is that right? You know, and there's, there's many, many examples. Has, have, I, I, you know, have, have any of you ever spoke the right word, but it was a wrong time? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can you think of another example, honey? Yeah, you gave me that one this morning, <laughs> but do you, have an, do, you, do you have another one? Do what? She's biting, She's biting her tongue. Okay, there you go. There you go. <laughs> It's like, how about a husband and a wife? How about one? What do you want to talk about? Right word. 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 Right word.
stressed out and busy. Yeah. Yeah. Right word, wrong time. So, so there's a bunch of examples I'm sure on this. So, so, but have you ever said the right thing at the wrong time? Once. Okay. (laughs) But I know I've done it. I, I can't think of any specific examples here right now. I guess I should have thought through that one, but, but just, just remember this. Timing is, is everything. You need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you know. Uh, you know what I mean? Sensitive, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Um, well, here's, a, here's an example. This is, this, is, this is an example. But when a loved one has died, okay, when a loved one has died and you go, you know, to the, to the funeral or to the, to the wake or whatever, and, and you know, uh, the loved one was, was saved and, and, you know, and you, and you walk in and, and the first thing you say to the, to the grieving spouse is, well, you know, um, they're in heaven now and, and they wouldn't come back now uh, even if they could. Well, you know, that's true and that's a right word, but, you know, that person that's grieving, you know, they're grieving over their lost loved one. Is that right? So, so I've, and, I, and I've done that in the past and when I was younger. And so I spoke the right word, but that's not the, that's not the what? It's not really the right time. So that's, a, that's an example. So, so just because we have the right word, we also need to be sure that we speak it in due season and do it in the right time. So anyway, a lot of examples uh, you could come up with, I guess. So we'll just leave that with you. Now we're going to do number eight and nine together. Number eight and nine. How many of these do we have? 12. So we're getting close to being done. But number eight and nine together is when you're angry. How many of you know that's a good time to bite your tongue? When you're angry. Oh, if you're ever going to bite your tongue, do it when you're angry. Because you can say things that you don't mean. You can, did you know you can hurt people with your words just as bad as you can with your fist? And even worse. Because if you hit somebody, you know, that physically, don't hit, hit anybody. But if you did that, that wound can heal, but don't, don't hit anybody. But you can say things to people that can wound their spirit. You can cut people up with your tongue. You know what I mean? And you do that when you're, and when you get angry, you'll say things you don't mean. And that's why we always advise married couples when you get angry with one another and just, it would work with anybody. When you get angry with somebody, go to the neutral corners, cool off before you, you know, uh, blow, blow your, your, your steam out at them with your tongue. Is that right? Please, because you can, you can, you can damage people with your words in, in such horrible ways and say things that, that, I mean, they'll just never get over. Is that right? So when you get angry, just please take it from me. Bite, bite your tongue. I, I've said things to my wife over the years that I just wish that I would have never said. Because I was angry and I spoke in that anger. Huh? Has it, have you ever done that? Notice here in Ephesians 4.26. And while you're turning there, so when you're angry or here's, here's number nine, when you, don't have every, when you don't have anything to say that will build others up and benefit them. Isn't that another good time to bite your tongue? 
when, when you don't have anything to say that will build others up and benefit them. What's the old saying? If you don't have something good to say, don't say anything. Right? Notice here, Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not sin. Now see, it's not, it's not a sin to be angry, but I think that when, when the Bible says in your anger, another version says be angry and sin not. So getting angry, you know, God gets angry. Is that right? He does, but he's never sinned. So it's possible to be angry and never sin. And I think the way we sin when we get angry, one of the main ways is with our tongue. We start saying things that we shouldn't say, that we otherwise wouldn't say. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. That means don't stay angry long, you know. Get over it before the sun goes down. Look at verse 29. Do not let any, now watch this, It's hooked right in with anger in the tongue. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And it's in that context of anger. But only let let come out of your mouth here, but only what is what helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So what's the bottom line here? When you're angry, bite your tongue. If you have something to say that is not going to minister grace to somebody, it's not going to build them up, it's not going to benefit them, then you need to just bite your tongue, okay? Now, number 10 kind of goes right along with this, is when you can't speak the truth in love. When you can't speak the truth in love. Notice Ephesians 4.15. Ephesians 4.15 says this, Instead, speaking the truth in what? In love, we will uh, in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ, talking about Jesus. If you can't speak the truth in love, bite your tongue, hold your peace, don't say anything. You know, uh, did you know you can speak the truth to to people and you can beat them up with the truth? Did you know that? I learned this as as a pastor, as a minister, and and I've really been working on this over the last many years. Uh, But but when I was young, I'd come out, and I mean, I'm 50, I'm still young. But when I was, be glad you didn't get me all those years ago when I first started. Well, some of you were there with me. You still love me, but I hope you like me better today than, than, than back there then. Because I mean, I'd come out and I'd take the Bible and I'd just, I'd just, just beat the tar out of people sometimes with the, with the truth. But, you know, it really wasn't being done in love. So we need to speak the truth in what? In love. So the the truth needs to be spoken at all times, but it's possible to speak the truth and you're not doing it in love. And then it's really not going to benefit anybody. Because you're going to offend them, they're going to they're 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 not probably not going to listen to it anyway because of your attitude, the way you came at at them with it. So so just just speak the truth, speak it in love, and speak it in what in the right timing in due season. Well, if you'll do that, you'll you'll really help people. Okay, you all right? And then the last two is number eleven. The number eleven when to bite your tongue is. Offering your, when, when tempted to offer your unsolicited opinion. <laughs> when you're tempted to offer your unsolicited opinion. Have you ever 
walk down like a, 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 a strip mall or a, you know what I mean by that? A bunch of strip store. You know what I mean on a strip? You know what I'm talking about? And they'll have signs up that'll say, no soliciting. You know what that means? Do you know what that means? You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? You know, you know what I'm talking about? A strip mall where they have like about 12 different stores, you know? And you'll walk, you know, and they'll say, no soliciting. That means they don't want you to come in there and ask them for money or make a donation or whatever. Or will you, will, you know, you want to buy my vacuum cleaner, that kind of stuff. They don't want those people coming in there. Is that right? Have you, how many ever seen a no soliciting sign? Okay, well, a time to bite your tongue is when you're tempted to offer your unsolicited opinion to somebody. When you're tempted to give somebody your opinion and they haven't asked for it. We'll say it another way. Don't offer your opinion to somebody if they haven't asked for it. Huh? Has anybody ever done this besides me? Oh my, when, you know, and you can really get into some trouble there. Has anybody ever done that to you? And they gave you their opinion and you weren't asking for it. And they gave you their unsolicited opinion. And didn't that just bless you? Didn't that just bless you? I, now I have a good example on this that happened to me just over the holiday uh, uh, break here, Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving Day. You know, you see people over the holidays that you might not see much throughout the rest of the year, you know, and, and sometimes those people can be a whole lot of fun. And so, uh, so I won't tell you who it is, but anyway, we were having Thanksgiving over at my house and it's somebody that I just see a couple of times a year. And, uh, and so she... Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've just, I've just, I've just lost, I've come down from 220 plus pounds down to about 185. So how many pounds is that? I've lost a lot. <laughs> I've lost about 35 pounds. I haven't had a diet Coke. Now, those of you who don't know me, I used to drink about a 12 cans of diet Coke a day. That's just counting the ones at home and not counting the ones at Quick Trip because you'll, you'll never tell them how many I drink at Quick Trip because what happens at Quick Trip stays at Quick Trip. But I haven't, had, I haven't had a Diet Coke in over three months. Yay for me. And so I've been doing real good. And so instead of drinking Diet Coke and all that caffeine, I've been drinking uh, Sprite Zero and Diet 7-Up. And, and I haven't been drinking a lot of it, so I've cut back, cut the caffeine out, and I'm doing real good. And so I'm standing there over Thanksgiving, and I got my can of Diet 7-Up. And this lady comes up to me, and she looks at that, and she says, Did you know that that is just poison? It's poison, it smells like kerosene, and it tastes like bug spray. <laughs> Well, she was drinking her, uh, her, her coffee and I wanted to say, well, did you know that uh, the caffeine in your coffee is going to cause you heart palpitations? <laughs> but but I, you guess what I did? I, 
I was, when she said that to me, I went, bite my tongue and hold my tongue and everything else. This same lady many years ago blessed me again. I wasn't going to tell this, but I will. We were attending Bible school, you know, and we were in Oklahoma and we would come up and I think it was on Thanksgiving at my Christmas, I don't know, one of them, we came, we'd come up to, back to St. Louis for the holidays. And we were over there at, at, at uh, this lady's house. And uh, I won't tell you who it is, but we were over at her house. Nobody in the church here, over at her house. And uh, uh, her daughter was her, her daughter's boyfriend had a uh, car dealership in Tulsa where we were going to school. And so this lady and Diane had got up to, to, she had to leave the room for a few moments. So I'm sitting there with this other lady and her husband. And, uh, and she says, uh, she says, Terry, she said, now I understand that you, that you live in, in Tulsa. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, now my daughter, her boyfriend uh, has a car dealership down there. And he's very wealthy and, 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 and he flies my daughter down, you know, on the weekends. And, 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 and they, they go to just the finest restaurants. And, but, but I was wondering, Terry, can you tell me about the uh, other restaurants in Tulsa? I, w- <laughs> I would like to know how the commoner eats. What, what, what am I doing? I'm biting my tongue. And when, I, when Diane came back in the room, my face was just beet red, wasn't it? I wanted to beat that woman up. I wanted, I wanted to beat her. I wanted to tell her just how the cow eats the cabbage, you know. But I, the Lord had been working on me some, and I bit my tongue. And the other day at my house, I bit my tongue. And she says, Huh? Well, she doesn't understand that. Okay, that's what you said. Now, Karen, now you need to listen to this message now. <laughs> Bite your tongue, okay? So I just, I wanted to talk to her about her caffeine-filled coffee, but I didn't. But you know, she's taken all the fun out of the Diet 7-Up and the Sprite Zero now because ever since then, every time I pop that thing open and I look at that, I smell kerosene. <laughs> And I'm thinking about bug spray. And, and I wanted to ask her, actually, I wanted to ask her, so when have you tasted bug spray? I mean, you know, but I... Um, oh. But here, I'm going to close with number 12. And this one, this one really has helped me. This one has helped me as much as anything. And, 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 I, and I tested it out this last Thanksgiving. And, and boy, it works really good is when talking, here's another time to bite your tongue, when talking to a fool. (laughs) Well, that's the whole point of the message, I guess, isn't it? When talking to a fool. Now, notice here, Proverbs 26, 4. Now, the Bible says, that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Is that right? And, and, and I guess what I want you to get here is not, I'm not talking about talking in a general conversation. I don't believe that's what, what, what the Bible is saying here. I believe what the Bible is saying is when debating an issue, 
don't debate an issue with a fool. So, so don't misunderstand me. You know, we need to talk to people because people that, that don't believe in God, we need to talk to them and share the gospel with them. Is that right? So, so we need to talk to people, but don't debate issues with, with fools, okay? The Bible says, do not, this is Proverbs 26, 4, do not answer a fool according to his folly. See, answering, that debating, answering. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Have you ever debated an issue with somebody that that they thought that they were right and there's no way that you were going to ever convince them of anything else? Huh? And and they're just they're bound and determined they're right and and there's nothing you're going to say. Well, I've spent numerous Thanksgivings and Christmases and other times you know, with, with these, these people, and they're nice enough, and, and as long as we're talking general stuff about the weather or this or that, everything's fine. But when we start talking about controversial things like, you know, politics or, or you know what I'm talking about, or, or this, that, or you know what I'm talking about, you get into these things and you start talking about these things and, and, and you're going to try to convince them of this, that, and the other. I've done this so many times that at the end, by the, by the time that the, the Thanksgiving is over, the Thanksgiving dinner's over, I just, I feel like a fool. Have you ever felt like that after you get done talking to some of these people? Well, what does the Bible say? If you answer a fool according to his folly, you're going to be like one yourself. I was just fulfilling scripture all those years when I debate these things with people, and whatever it is. And, uh, you just wind up feeling foolish yourself. I know there's this one fellow that I just love him to pieces. He, he comes over every year on Thanksgiving. I just, I worked for him as a kid. I love him to pieces, a good, good guy and, and have a great friendship with him. But he's always gonna take the other side of the issue no matter what it is. Have you ever met somebody like that? You know, how many has ever met somebody like that? I mean, isn't, am I telling the truth? He's always going to take the other side of the issue, you know. It, it, you know if, I, if I say, uh, boy, it's hot in here. Nope, it's not hot in here. It's cold in here. Well, you know, it's cold in here. Nope, it's kind of warm in here, you know. One day I got into an argument about him with him over whether the sky was blue or not. And we argued for about an hour and a half on whether the sky was blue. He said, well, the sky is blue just because, because somebody told you it was blue. <laughs> and so I said, well, okay, then it's not blue. He says, bet me it's blue. You know, I'm just saying, and this guy's come over for years, and him and me get into these, these and at the end of the time, I'm just banging my head on the table. So you know what I did this year? What I do? What I do? I... I bit my tongue, didn't I? Was there any controversy? No, I just bit my tongue. And I just let them talk on whatever they were going to talk. And when it was real quiet, wasn't it? <laughs> and there was, you know, there was a bunch of other people there, but I just, I just, you know, yeah, it's, you know, happy Thanksgiving. Macy's Day Parade was good. You know, did Spider-Man get up? I don't know if he, did they have him in the, you know, Snoopy's there, you know, food's good. You know, I just talked about non-controversial things. And when and, and at one point there was something controversial came up and they it came over to me and I just said, you know, you know, I'm gonna open another can of Diet Seven Up, have some more bug spray. <laughs> 
But you know, when the whole thing was over, I didn't feel like a fool. And I didn't feel drained. You know, that can drain, just drain you. So I had a good Thanksgiving. So did you get anything out of this today? I hope it helped you. Well, anyway, stand with me and glad you came. Hope you can take something away from this that'll help.